What doesn't kill us doesn't make us stronger. It makes us more creative. Wait, how? Let's find out together. I'm Dr. Marion Piper, and I'm on a mission to uncover what it means to lead a truly creative life. So if you're feeling uninspired, blocked, or just plain lost, welcome home. Hey legends, it's your pal, Dr. Maz, here again. I have a spectacular episode for you this time around featuring uh, a dear friend of mine, a new friend of mine who I connected with uh, via the joys of Instagram um, and have been having the most amazing conversations in the DMs with. And uh, her name is Ellie Rose. She's a counsellor and psychotherapist who runs a business called Cocoon Mental Health. You can find her on Instagram at the same name. And uh, she's got a fire in her belly to shake up mental health, which, as you know, I am super passionate about as well. Out of, all, out of her own frustrations from working in and researching youth mental health across the past decade, Ellie created Cocoon Mental Health, providing sessions, workshops and content for those of us who want to move on from our family issues and thrive in this big, sometimes confusing life. Cocoon uses a chilled out, creative approach to therapy, no boring clinical BS here, with the belief that you can do and be all the things you want to because you've always deserved more. Aw, isn't that amazing? Uh, Ellie and I talk about a whole range of things. It's a beautiful, lighthearted conversation and poke at some of the more difficult aspects of being a human alive right now. And I particularly enjoyed our conversation about coping mechanisms. So uh, without further ado, I present to you my conversation with the delightful Ellie Rose. Today's one is going to be a good one for anyone who is interested in mental health and kicking goals and understanding trauma. Um, I am joined by the delightful Ellie from Cocoon Mental Health. Hi, Ellie. Hello, Dr. Marion. <laughs> oh, yay. We're so We um, have basically developed a mutual appreciation club um, yeah. Instagram DMs. Uh, yeah. the last little while. <laughs> so we thought we'd make it official mm-hmm. um, and have a real uh, real conversation around the things that we're really interested in and passionate about, um, which is both creativity and mental health. Um, so I'd like to kick us off um, uh, just, just by a small topic about diving into um, what trauma is. Um, and, you know, we've been kicking around a few ideas about what we could talk about today and um, particularly around family-based trauma, because I know that this is a topic that, um, I mean, I mean, who isn't really untouched by what happens in their family, whether or not it's their <laughs> family of origin or the one that you create for yourself. I think um, those relationships are so um, fundamental um, and pivotal to our overall mental well-being. So I'd love to know um, from your expert perspective um, how you've come to understand um, trauma and its role in our lives. Of course. Well, it's lovely to be able to take the next step with you, Marion. Um, <laughs> it's going to be I'll be kind, I'll be gentle. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good that we've made it out of the DM. So um, I'm very excited to be here. Um, yeah, well, family, family-based trauma, it's obviously a a heavy topic. Um, so I guess, you know, just starting off 
I always like to do a little bit of a disclaimer in that, you know, depending on where we go today, if things come up for people, just um, making sure that they're staying in their zone of safety and regulation and taking a little pause if they need to. Um, so I guess with family-based trauma, and this took a while for me to get my head around, is the trauma is actually the response to an event, not the event itself. And I have to keep reminding myself that because um, I think we talk about traumas. Um, so trauma is a response to an event that would have been quite significantly um, emotionally challenging or um, particularly in case of families, lacked support. So the research really says that, especially if we don't receive the right connection and safety and validation in a situation that was really, really stressful, um, then it does become a trauma in our memory and in our system. Yeah. So I guess when we're also thinking about trauma, just to start off with, it definitely varies. I know you mentioned before, like, you know, who, <laughs> who doesn't have something to do with our families? Um, you know, if you're to if you're a human in the world, then I think we've all got, whether it's a bunch of little traumas or maybe some more significant ones that we can pinpoint. Um, but our families are, are a huge, huge influence in obviously how we grow up and how I, I how our identity is formed. So a lot of my work, at least as a therapist and just kind of how I see people and see the world and myself is through the lens of a family system. And just with family systems, so family systems approach and family systems therapy really says that we're all in a family system a little bit like a like a family tree I guess and so everyone's interconnected and the functioning stress and needs of each branch of the tree so each person in the family impacts the other and obviously when we're children and when we're adolescents and then now adults we are inherently impacted by our families even if we're speaking to them or if we're not so that's um, yeah, family-based trauma in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Thank, thank, thank God for nutshells uh, that we can <laughs> delightfully crack open. But um, mm -hmm. I'm super curious to know how how you got here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Always really, I'm always really fascinated, especially when I meet other people who are interested in, particularly interested in trauma and mental health. I mean, automatically in my mind, I feel like there's a shared understanding of having been through some shit, mm -hmm. um, which usually is part of the territory when you're, when you're, you know, researching something or interested in something as, as heavy as this. But um, what's your origin story? How did, how did you end up at this, at this, at this juncture studying family-based uh, trauma and also, you know, as a therapist treating people? Mm -hmm. I love the use of origin story. It sounds like a, a villain in a Marvel movie, but I like it. I'm going to use it. Um, oh, you, so, you can be a villain if you want to. I, I'm like, yeah. I, I, was like, I was like, you can be a superhero, you can be a villain. Whatever. <laughs> be whatever you want to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting when you are working in the mental health space. And, and I think a lot of other people um, will recognize this as well. When we speak to other professionals or just people who have an interest, we have often been through our own stuff, which... I think makes us even better professionals. Um, so I grew up in a very interesting family, <laughs> as we all probably did. Um, I unfortunately lost my dad when I was really, really young, really suddenly, um, and just had to grapple with that. I'm an only child. So naturally, you know, I had to depend on myself. Um, I was really, really fortunate to have my mom and well still really really close but I guess growing up in that dyad because it was literally just the two of us led me into my teens and early 20s in 
some interesting ways of, you know, taking on that grief and not acknowledging grief and, um, you know, some codependency with mum because, you know, it was a very interesting, um, yeah, upbringing for me during a, a time of trauma and just trying to cope. So I guess I was aware of those things going into my studies um, that I was extremely interested in how I was coping and I was lucky enough to grow up in a really supportive family despite the loss of my dad. So, I, I you know, that was always really interesting to me because um, I had to do, and I know you've done your own work um, with your PhD work, I had to write an assignment in my master's um, and I focused, so I did a master's in counselling and psychotherapy and one of my core subjects that I chose and focus areas for research was family. And part of an assignment was to write all about my family <laughs> use, and myself using family systems approach and kind of looking at myself as a case study. Um, and obviously that was very interesting, but it really solidified why I wanted to do this work. Um, and I found, I suppose, I suppose it is fascinating. I still find it very fascinating that the parts of my life where I was lacking, like with my dad, it was buffered by other supportive relationships and that there was research for that. And it was, I suppose, all these things that I had experienced as a person, um, and you don't always find this in research, but the things I had experienced as a person, I was like, oh, this makes sense. And and this is all part of a really, really useful tool, which is the therapy framework. And then when I went to practice and working with clients, that was my focus as well, to work in a family framework. And I worked to start off with sorry to start off with I worked with a lot of young people particularly probably about like 12 to 18 which is the really really hard years and I'm really glad I'm not 12 to 18 now um <laughs> I'm like oh yeah when people are like oh I wish I could go back to school I'm like I could not think of anything worse <laughs> yeah you couldn't pay me to do it again um but, you know, I was working with a lot of kids who have been through some really challenging stuff, family-related and not family-related, but the ones that I saw and worked really, really well with and saw them progress, sorry, is when we did family work with them. So when we did individual work and then we also worked with families and in pretty stressful, significantly traumatic situations. And then by the time I left that workplace, you know, what I saw with clients after working with families was like, oh, that was just golden. So, yeah, I guess a, a blend of, of professional satisfaction and then a bit of research and then a bit of my own stuff has all led me here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, the, those those re, those research moments, they'll get you. They'll, yeah, they'll, you're like, oh. They'll get you real good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And you mentioned uh, I love that you talked about the relationship between um, you know, the things that are missing and then the supports that come in to to sort of counterbalance that. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to, I suppose, like as, as individuals, we're, we're the linchpin in between that, right? And so we have, mm -hmm. we're kind of oscillating between all these different emotions and um, contexts and situations. Uh, and so we are asked to cope. Life asks us to cope. Mm. We're invited to cope. Um, I'd be curious to know um, from your perspective um, this difference between healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms mm -hmm. um, because as I've gotten older and, you know, been through therapeutic work myself and done a lot of research, 
Um, I know that that line between healthy and unhealthy is very can be very very blurry, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. is not something that I was expecting to discover. <laughs> um, so I'm curious um, uh, from your perspective, you know, um, how how do we how do we approach this idea of coping and coping mm-hmm. strategies? Mm-hmm. I guess when I think about coping, and again, this is just purely through a family systems model, it's an adaptation. So a coping mechanism, regardless of what that is, like it could be something that's very healthy, like independence, and that's one of mine, and that's one of, you know, I think <laughs> I think when you... One of mine. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, you know, sometimes doesn't doesn't really fit in, in life. So it's healthy and unhealthy. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I guess when you think about a coping mechanism, it's it's there for a reason. And so it could be independence where, and this is just from my example, and I know some people, um, including myself and maybe some other people listening and some clients of mine, um, we flip to hyper-independence to cope. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you didn't do that in dealing with that trauma or whatever was happening, you probably wouldn't have coped. So it's not something to beat, beat yourself up about. But, and this is a lot of my work, is figuring out, okay, well, maybe that works sometimes and maybe that actually doesn't work other times. And it, as you get older, conflicts with what you want. So, for example, if I'm upset one day and it's about something that I know I can't fix, it's like my, my independence is probably going to come in handy. I'm like, yep, yeah, cool, I can figure out some self-care. I can, like, do my own thing, have a day to myself. But if I'm... This is this is just a just an example, not naming anyone. Um, if I just swear off dating because it's all too hard and it's easy to be alone, but I actually would really like to have a partnership, oh, it's you know it's rubbing up against a conflict of what my coping mechanism is. So that's probably when it's not so healthy, when it's rubbing up against what you actually want and what it is to be to be well and and happy, whatever happy is. <laughs> yeah, million dollar question. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's so it's so, it's so interesting. You mentioned the dating question because it's definitely um, definitely a bit of an open wound <laughs> for me these days that I'm that I'm sort of working through. Um, and what do you what do you see? Like we're in this you know we're in this really interesting time of yeah. not quite being in a pandemic, not quite being out of you know in, in the post COVID times. What are you what are you seeing? Obviously don't mention names, but what are you seeing overall um, are some of the things that people are struggling with the most? I guess, and I don't think this will surprise you, but what I've seen in myself and and with clients and just people I know, I think in moments of stress, we revert really quickly back to what we know, which can be unhealthy coping mechanisms. (laughs) And that's why we have the unhealthy ones because they're comfortable and safe and say you're in stress and that, like, I mean, come on, the last three years have just been like... Yeah, we've all talked about it enough. Like we know it's all a bit nuts. So it's been this weird period of like stop, start, and your whole sense of safety is so disrupted, I think, at least for me. Um, So, yeah, I've been really seeing people go back to to things that were happening maybe in childhood and this real need for working through family stuff that maybe pre-pandemic was kind of coasting and we didn't really need to look at it and, and now it's, after this period of stress and I think really burnout I think everyone is just burnt out from emotions from relationships from work just life um so I would say the emotional burnout is probably number one and then also just this 
what the heck am I doing? Where am I going? And this real like stuck point, I think a lot of people are feeling this, okay, well, I had some reflection time in COVID, which was kind of nice. You know, maybe I worked from home when I used to be in the office five days, or maybe I changed jobs or broke up in a relationship. But now what do I do? It's like this, does that make sense? It's kind of like this in between. And I think a lot of us are just like, I don't want that future, but what's what, what's, what's the other part? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, where where can where can I go now? Um, now that some of the old systems and mm-hmm. um, some of the old rules have been, you know, blown wide open. You know, there were certain things that I think we took so much for granted. Um, as you know, you know, especially for things like work and mm-hmm. and friendships. You know, they they were stuck in these like really traditional rigid um, boxes that mm-hmm. you know, me and my friends we went we go out for dinner or you know we'd go to a gig or whatever and then all of a sudden you know the old rules were and the old systems were had to be cast aside for a time and we had to create new ones you know and so mm-hmm. this this period of integration that we're in now where it's like yeah like you're saying like I really loved the reflection from COVID I hated staying mm-hmm. home all the time but also like can I go out like do I want to go mm-hmm. out probably that's the better better question like well you know do I want to do this you know rather than just constantly um oh this is what we do you know yeah yeah and you know I think it's really hard when you're in it but I think that stuckness when you are growing is probably one of the most important parts Mm -hmm. and staying in the stuckness which is probably the most annoying thing I could say <laughs> but because it's like oh I, I I know what that's like to stay in the stuckness but um I can't take credit for this metaphor because my supervisor said it to me once but um I was complaining about something feeling stuck I was like nothing's happening nothing's happening uh. um and she said to me you know most I think she was talking about mangroves so most mangroves have to stay in the mud to grow and so you need to actually be stuck for a long time. And that is when you can grow. And I was just like, okay, like the stuckness is actually valuable, even though it's so hard. <laughs> and I, I think, yeah, that's that's a big lesson for me. And I think for a lot of people at the moment is how to do that. Yeah, yeah. And um, the same is true for the lo- for lotus flowers as well. They're, mm-hmm. they're the ones that grow, they can't grow without the mud. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think also with mangroves, like they need that in order to survive. And so, um, yeah, I mean, then that's something that you and I definitely connect on. You know, there's Mm -hmm. this, it's not quite, not quite a love of the challenge, (laughs) the obstacle, but there's definitely maybe a little bit of a reverence perhaps for Mm. for the, um, um, or at least a respect for the difficult things that we go through. Um, And I guess that, that does raise the question, you know, if someone is listening to this, uh, and they are in that stuck space, and maybe they've been there for a little while. Um, what what would you what would you invite them to to do to think about to adopt? Is there any do you have any kind of go to like okay, <laughs> like first step, do this, or is it just more like a more of like an open ended kind of journey? I'm going to be really annoying and give you maybe three answers. Um, (laughs) We love options here. We love options. (laughs) Because I think just as you were speaking, something that really comes to me a lot of time is 
letting go of what you should be doing and where you should be. Oh, oh my God, I want to throw up. That's so good. Icky. Ick. <laughs> Gross. Disgusting. <laughs> so, uh, so and, and this is really just, this is my own therapy that everyone's listening to. This is just to myself. <laughs> I, I think so much of the stuckness can also be a lack of acceptance on the process and you might just have to sit in it rather than feeling like you have to be somewhere or, you know, I, I think we're humans and we look at other people and we compare. I think anyone who says that they don't is lying. <laughs> like it's literally just what our brains do as humans. So I think it's very natural to feel like, yeah, we have to be somewhere. We have to be doing this or that, or particularly in a post pandemic world, I think, I don't know, a lot of weird things have been happening. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know whether it's people um, having brand new careers and being super successful all on social media or um, a lot of people getting married and engaged and, you know, like just a lot of things that have happened in people's lives, I think, post-pandemic, um, which are awesome and, like, love that for them. But I think there's been a lot of change for a lot of people, which sometimes makes us feel even more stuck because you're like, well, I'm not doing anything. Um, so number one I would say is question what season you're in and maybe how can you let go of that resistance a little bit of just being in your, say, autumn or winter that needs to just sit in the mud a little bit, which is challenging. And then the second thing I would say, I know you love some journaling just like me. Oh, mate, I'm all about it. Let's go. <laughs> so um, and before I say this, if anyone's listening, you like you just recoil at the word journal. It doesn't have to be dear diary every single day. Like you could literally write some swear words on a piece of paper and rip it up. Like I don't care. Um, or it could be more of an artistic, creative expression. It could anything. Um, but I think an activity that I really like to do with clients but also with myself is, number one, what are my patterns? Mm. And so this kind of ties into some of our family stuff as well is when you're in that stuckness, like, do I have a pattern of self-sabotage? Like I'm actually stuck because I'm not allowing myself to go after something or it feels too scary or it feels too big and maybe I need to do some work on feeling a bit more confident or feeling like I can go in line with those values. Or is it that I feel a lot of shame for wanting what I'm wanting or I don't know, whatever your pattern is, or maybe it is that you're jumping from thing to thing, trying to search all the time, which not always a bad thing but just having a bit of a think about what the patterns are and sometimes there's family connection sometimes it's not like sometimes it, it is just outside your family something that's happened and then the other big question that I always ask myself is what is stopping you from breaking those patterns which is usually safety familiar familiarity security yeah fear of being seen you know yeah just the low key, like fear of, success, fear of failure. Like. Yeah, yeah, no biggie. <laughs> oh man, um, man, that letting letting go of the shoulds and what you what you think you yeah. should be doing um, is a big one. Like I had a really, we were just talking before we jumped on the mics mm-hmm. that you know I had this big ang- anxious day yesterday, which was I was riddled with comparison, which is something that you know um, 
hasn't really visited me in a really long time. Oh, it's kind for it to come back. I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like thanks, bro. See, make yourself comfortable. You want to do yeah, like, Cool. Oh. Um, but I realized I sort of, I, you know, in a similar way that you just described those questions that you asked about patterns. Um, for me, comparison always pops up when I'm on the precipice of doing something new. Uh, yeah. And it's this, um, and it's a, oftentimes it's not so much a comparison with like, oh, that person's so far, so much further along than me, or, you know, they've got the thing that I'm trying to create and I'm jealous of it. It's more of a comparison against myself. Um, mm. it goes both ways, right? It's like both like, you know, is this where I thought I would be? But, uh, yep. and, and I'm like, I'm not as far as I want to be. Why? You know, yep. so it's very much this internal. Um, oh, that's a good one. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a doozy, like that self-comparison piece. Like it's worse. It's way worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy, at least if you've got something external to you, you can kind of, you know, you can look at their situation and go, oh, of course mm-hmm. they got that because you can see the decisions that they made. and Yep. Yeah, or the privileges they have or, yeah, there's, like, more reasons, whereas when it's you, it's, like, well, I should have. Like, I, there's no reason I'm not there when I should be. Yeah, and, it, and you know, we um, and I think that there's, like, a, the self-compassion piece um, and the grace that we, that we do extend to other people. Um, we do need to turn that around on ourselves and kind of, you know, that whole adage. And it's so, it's so cheesy and it's so dorky, <laughs> that whole, like, look how far you've come perspective, um, I find at least is what's um, been something that's helped me in the last 24 hours. Um, mm-hmm. That and also just like completely disengaging and disconnecting um, from, from you know, all those conversations that I'm seeing and, and all the things that are, all the information mm-hmm. And the sales and and the art and the messaging that's constantly bombarding me around productivity and mm-hmm. you know and working and hustling and blah 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 blah, blah all that more, stuff. more 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 yeah yeah I just yeah. kind of like cut myself off um and just really like went into like a bit of a um a sensory de-stimulation mode <laughs> just kind of disconnected I love that which, you know, I, I've never been one who's um, withdrawn. I think I picked up that coping strategy from COVID mm-hmm. to, to self-ice, to isolate when I'm when yep. I'm trying to work through something. Traditionally, I've been much more anxious and I've reached out. Mm-hmm. And basically, whoever was the first person to answer the call, sorry, buddy. <laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, comparison, you know, there's that whole adage of comparison being the thief of joy um and um what are what are some of the other things like I I've observed um watching your Instagram that you've recently picked up the the hobby of surfing which I am like yes loving that. <laughs> I, I would imagine that that's also um something that's become like a nice little circuit breaker for all this kind of stuff absolutely it's so to give a bit of context I have wanted to surf for probably a good 10 years seriously so I spent a decade yeah. pining over this. It's very <laughs> embarrassing, really. And watching people surf, like most, not, I'm like, most people I've dated have surfed. Like I've been, like, did you see Puberty Blues? Do you yeah. watch? Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've been Debbie on the beach just watching. And I think, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I just kind of got, I, I don't know if you, you get this, but I, 
get to the point with a lot of things and this could be exercise, this could be motivation, this could just be me being down on myself. I get so sick of myself that I have to do something. Elizabeth Gilbert has a great quote about that. Is it um, like no change has ever come about um, without someone being completely and utterly um, absolutely fed up with their own bullshit? I love that. I love her. I love that. Yep, true. Exactly. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm not going to be Steph Gilmore and that's fine. Like you need to just, but like I'm no closer to being her. Like I could have spent 10 years surfing and I'd be okay. (laughs) So. Yeah. anyway um so yeah I've started surfing and it's so fun and I could not care less I look nuts um <laughs> but I'm getting better every time and that's all that matters um and I'm having fun so it's been a huge circuit breaker and I also honestly and I would encourage a lot of people to do this I saw it as a bit of a challenge to rid myself of perfectionism because I think in most like I was like oh why why I was trying to therapize myself as I do um not always successfully but I was like why what blocks am I coming up against here like why aren't I doing this why have I put it off why have I been whinging about it and I was like I know it's gonna be really hard and I'm not going to be good at it and that's why I don't want to do it because it's embarrassing um so it was almost my little challenge of like I know and anyone that's surfed or tried to surf or has or surfs now you know that you're never good like you like every surfer is like it's you know you have bad days and you could practice forever and you're never gonna be satisfied I think um so it just feels like a never-ending hobby and I kind of liked that because yeah I was so fed up with myself as as Liz Liz said I I was like that's a good challenge for my perfectionism because I actually can't be good at it (laughs) so like this is also that perfectionism bug like that's also one of the things that I see stop so many people from being creative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's just this um, inherent fear of the fact that, you know, I'm not going to master it straight away. Um, You know, if I, or if like the one that I'm seeing pop up again, time and time again, is like, well, if I'm not going to make any money off it, Mm. why should I bother? Um, And it's one of. That's an interesting one. One of my biggest bugbears at the moment is the people that aren't people that are just like I want to monetize my entire life. Like, no, that's not the point. No, that's not the point. The mm. hobby, the practice, the experience is the point. Whether or not it becomes something that you know, ele- you know, rises to the top of the list in your life, it doesn't matter. It's the point. Is like, how do we want to spend our time? You know, mm. how do we want to spend our time? The precious time that we have here on the planet. Do we want to waste it sitting in paralyzed uh, perfectionism Mm. or do we want to just, you know, go down to the beach, grab a board, fall on our faces, have a laugh, make new friends, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I I also think like when I'm talking to clients about trying new things and, and particularly with creativity, like I always get the answer of like I, I I'm bad at it or like I'm not a creative person or and I'm always like okay <laughs> okay uh, let's let's have a conversation about what creativity actually is because you're breathing and so you are actually creative um and I think <laughs> yeah um wondering because there's no vision on this oh yeah <laughs> imagine imagine Marion doing a sassy snap yeah yeah um what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I, I think the other way about 
oh, sorry, the other way of looking at things is like, number one, if my argument is I'm not going to be good at surfing, how do you get good at surfing? <laughs> you need to surf. And with creativity, I would imagine, and I don't, you know, make money off my creativity per se, but what is the thing that's going to zap your creativity? Trying to make money, I'm guessing. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not. If you go into it with the, yeah. with the intention of of making the dollars, um, yeah, you will not enjoy the process. Chances are the work that you produce will end up just being a regurgitation of something else that you've seen mm. that is super successful. Um, and that's what we do, right? As um, you know, and this is how I get over the whole perfectionism thing. It's like it's okay to mirror the people that you think are doing it well at mm -hmm. the beginning until you find your own group. You know, that's how everybody learns. Like you don't just go out with a surfboard. I mean, you can and just try and Good. <laughs> go and catch a wave, but chances are you're probably going to take a few less lessons first, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's in it's in that, you're right, it's in that, it's in the process of doing the thing that you actually pick up the skill. It's not like you, it's not like the matrix yet where we can <laughs> put a, a chip inside our heads and be all of a sudden, I know Kung Fu. Yeah, like, done. Doesn't work like that. No, not at all. Yeah, no, I, I so love what you just said about the act of doing because, and that really is what I think most of the therapeutic work is about. Like I, I obviously have a lot of reverence and a lot of respect and knowledge sometimes um, about family systems and about, you know, the, the ways in, in which our family roles and our family relationships and modelling might have not worked out so well. <laughs> I'll say that as an umbrella term to kind of summarise everything. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's super unfair if that's all you're dealt in life and then you just give up. And it's not that you need to wake up and be, you know, toxic positivity, like, woohoo, I have no trauma, I'm perfect. Like, no, um, you know, you need to think about what you want or be in the mud and, and be sad sometimes and grieve things and do different work. But at the end of the day, you, like, I don't know what's after death. I don't think any of us, start, any of us do, but we might just get one shot. So it makes me equally frustrated for people when they are dealt a really really hard hand in life with their families because it can make us feel like okay well well this is it you know I've, I've been through this and, and now I'm stuck here even though I'm an adult and my labor of love is is that I hopefully get to bring people out of that onto the other side of just making their life what what they want because you can which is pretty cool you absolutely can. And one of my, one of the, one of the biggest compliments um, I feel like I can ever receive from anyone is when they find out about what I've been through, they're mm. just dumbfounded because they're like, how can mm. you, how can you be you're you. doing this work and yeah. also have gone through like, what, why didn't you give up? And I'm like, mm. that, I mean, that is literally what my entire PhD is about, right? It's like, <laughs> why, why do some people go on to um, not only survive, but to thrive in life, um, despite being dealt a really shitty hand, you know, yep. yet you can have people who have the most, um, they have every aspect of their childhood um, and their needs are met um, and they grow up to to absolutely hate the world and rail against mm -hmm. everything and, and mm -hmm. fall apart and just can't seem to, you know, mm -hmm. pick it. So 
I think yeah, there's a there's I'm sure there's a nurture nature nurture argument in there somewhere. Um, but we have so much agency uh, as humans, um, you know, thanks to this beautiful prefrontal cortex, which can sometimes be a bit of an asshole. <laughs> but um, so speaking of that, like you know, when we are when we are in the mud, when we are negotiating all these different relationships and histories and traumas and and wants and desires, like how do we take care of ourselves through this process? You know, do you have um, do you have go to self care strategies? um that you that you can recommend or ones that ones that are actually even even interesting question ones yeah. that you want to try but you haven't tried yet Ooh, good one I like um, ah. <laughs> ah. oh okay I might need to sit on that for a hot second um start with the go-tos start okay, with I'll the- start with the go-tos and the then sure and- sure yes okay um well journaling you already already mentioned that Um, and I would encourage everyone just like I encourage myself um, and I need reminding to do this to do different types of journaling Mm. so I know you engage in some beautiful creative methods actually that's my thing that's gonna be I'm gonna steal that that's because I'm most of the time when I'm time poor I just kind of you know brain dump some of my thoughts and I don't really get creative with it I don't go back to it um, so that's going to be one of mine. And if you're listening, Marion sometimes posts some beautiful, um, and again, not not based on skill, although she is very skillful, um, but I can, you know, it's it's obvious that it's an expression of whatever you're feeling, which I think is so amazing. So um, journaling it in different forms. So that could be more of a creative approach. It could just be writing down some more structured reflections. So like the little questions I gave before and having a think about why things trigger you, what's coming up how you want to move forward, what you need in that moment. I find it just, at least for me and a lot of clients I work with, it just helps create that space in that brain that seems very, very full, especially when we're working through some of this stuff. The next thing, and I know this is not always possible because we can invest in relationships, but, you know, there is a little bit of luck sometimes in life, which sucks, but as much support as you can get is always going to be the best thing. And so being really honest with yourself about if you do have sufficient support and it's quality over quantity, it's, you know, like if you're thinking, no, oh, but I've got, I've got friends or like that's something that clients will usually say to me like, oh, like, you know, my family's pretty, you know, okay. Or like my friends are okay. And like, it's fine. And then, you know, we dig a little bit deeper. I'm like, are you actually like, do you get the the juicy, juicy support that maybe you're giving to people? Not really so um just being really honest if if you need extra support whether that's trying to find some new friendships and um I've recently sorry this is going on a tangent but this all does come back to the self-care um because I've been living in Canada for some stints across this year I jumped on Bumble BFF which I've never done before oh I love that and it felt Bumble is trash so sorry Bumble but (laughs) yeah yeah well so it felt, and I'm like full disclaimer, it felt bizarre because I was like, am I weird? Like, is this a weird thing for someone to be doing? Um, but obviously when you're in a new city, like you don't care as much. So like, I don't know. Um, and I have made some amazing friends. So it's not like Bumble dating at all. It's just genuinely people who kind of like, you know, if you don't make any friends at work as an adult, it's kind of hard to make friends. So 
And not, but also, so everyone knows, this isn't sponsored. This episode no, is not sorry. Bubble. However, we are very much open to sponsorship from Bubble. Yeah, open to I talk. Just, yeah. You know, just trash them. Uh, <laughs> not the other stuff. They also have, they actually also have a business one too, which I'm kind I of too. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, give it a go. Let me know how it is. Um, yeah. yeah, making making um, adult friendships, making making friendships as an adult um, can be really nerve wracking. I think, and um, putting yourself out there, especially when, you know, I'm going to put this in air quotes, I, everyone is so busy. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, so busy. Um, yeah. But, you know, so um, I love that. I love that you gave that a crack. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked out. Like it's, it was, it was bizarre, but it, it worked. And then I've made friends through their friends. And anyway, so um, yeah, if, if you feel like you don't have enough support, I think being really real on, you can get more like it's you know whether that's professional or personal it doesn't matter but I think that support piece is super super important even if it's not every week like it doesn't have to be a weekly session with someone it could just be some check-ins with someone personal so um that support is is number two and then this is going to sound a bit strange but I know we love a metaphor so a little bit like if you were growing a new plant so think of your like going through a process, whether that's processing past trauma or just trying to figure out life and who you are and where you're going, which is potentially a trauma in itself. Um, (laughs) Almost treating yourself like a little seedling and nurturing yourself. So it's something that I get really real when I'm like, oh, self-care, self-care, self-care. And I think like, oh, I can't really be bothered to do that. And I'm like, what what is a little nurture thing that I need right now? Because I'm feeling a bit delicate or a little bit frustrated or whatever it is and that usually helps me find something whether it's just like a cup of tea or going on a walk or an answer will come so and one of the um just to layer onto that too one of the because I get the same too sometimes when I when I know I need self-care um it's it's past the point of me being able to actually actively think about what I need Mm. Um, and so one of the rules that I kind of made with myself is like Whatever self care I do, it has to engage my senses. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because it's it's what that's um you know because the the whole when we're activated, it's not just a um an emotional mental thing, mm-hmm. it's also a physical thing, right? So it'll be happening Absolutely. somewhere in our bodies, and so um I try to catch that wherever I am. So I'll be like, okay, um if I'm if I'm feeling really overwhelmed, that that to me feels like I need some sensory self care. So mm. I'll put on my head, my noise cancelling headphones, even if I don't have any music on, but I'll just try nice. and lock out my ears a little bit. Or if I'm like really um, like moving at a really fast pace and I'm like hung, like I'm hungry for like connection or whatever, I'm like, oh, actually, am I just hungry? <laughs> <laughs> like maybe, yeah. maybe I need a tea or a snack, you know? So I think yeah. we, can use, um, we can use our bodies uh, in that process. Oh, yeah. Um, as a bit of a cue to kind of go, oh, you know, to make it a bit more grounded and less like, um, you know, just a shot in the dark. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting. You'll usually have an answer. Oh, you know? always. The, like, f- oh. the first thing that comes to mind is usually the right thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas if I was like, what can you do today, Marion, for self-care? You'd be like, um, Whereas if you tune into yourself and go, what does my body need? you'll usually find what you're pulled towards, which is nice. 
Yes, yes. And that's, um, yeah, another thing where journaling can be super helpful um, is that you can start to create those lists, you know, like I've got, I've got lists on lists on lists for different occasions. Wow. Um, depending on, I have to leave, like my, my memory is like, it's not too bad, but my working memory is terrible. So um, I have to leave like breadcrumbs, almost like, uh, like design documentation. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So how to take care of myself. <laughs> almost like, actually, yeah, almost like the house sitting instructions I have. Oh, um, great. But for yourself. Yeah, but for me. So it's like, okay, when, you know, this happens, uh, like, here's the password for this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Just, well, it's reducing that mental load, isn't it? And I think that's, at least for me, and like, when I know I'm having a really stressy day, I'm like, what, what will reduce the mental load? Like, because yes. I'm not going to be able to sit there and go, hmm, decision making or problem solving, I'm going to be too overwhelmed. So yeah, love, love a list. Brain shut down, brain gone haywire. Give me, give me instructions. Brain empty. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh wow, this has been um <clears throat> this has gone so fast, first of all. Um mm. it's been such a delightful uh conversation. Um uh which uh I definitely feel like there's some other things that are popping into my brain for other future conversations. Yes, yes, um, me too. But uh, I'll sort of wrap things up um, by asking you a question that I like to ask some guests, not all, but some, um, which is kind of drawn from the title of the podcast, which is um, what didn't kill you and what did it make you? Just a a small question. That's good. My grief didn't kill me. It almost did, but it didn't. And I think my appreciation of life is what came out of it. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's so <laughs> and they're two sides to the same coin, those two things. It is. Yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's been such a treat to have you. Thanks so much. Oh, such a treat to be on. Thank you so much. Um, and if someone, if this is the first time someone's uh, met you and come across you, uh, yes. how can they, where else, where do you live? Where do you live virtually? It's <laughs> like, hmm, not sure if I can give my address, but um, <laughs> where do you live? No. Um, so my website, so I provide sessions and workshops and different collab fun things like we are doing today. Um, so my website is cocoonmentalhealth.com, all just one, and that's cocoon like a butterfly cocoon. And then my Instagram and TikTok is exactly the same and you'll find me there. Love it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, I look forward to more um, deep dives with you oh, uh, me too. in DMs and outside of DMs. Love it. Can't wait. There you have it, friends. That's my conversation with the incredible Ellie Rose. Give her a follow on all the platforms and reach out, especially if you need any extra support right now. She's incredible. Uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, you're probably going to love my Substack called The Creative Urge, uh, which you can subscribe to for free or you can shout me a coffee each month and become a paid subscriber by checking out thecreativeurge.substack.com. Until next time, friends, can't wait. Stay creative and I'll see you on the other side. Bye.